and gentlemen, um, welcome to the planning committee. Just to let you know, there is no fire alarm planned, so if you uh, hear any bells, then if you would make for that door and go down the staircase and meet in the car park and follow the little black dot ahead of you, which will be me. So um, I hope uh, that's okay. Um, and if you will bear with me, before I start the meeting, I actually have a statement to make. Um, this is unprecedented and has never before been thought necessary. However, unfortunately, the integrity and impartiality of some members of the planning committee has been put in the spotlight with the obvious intention of causing damage not only to them but to this committee. I've spoken to the council's legal officer and the chair, Councillor Mills, who is absent today, but who would have made a statement had he been here. I've also spoken to Mr Brown, who is on my left, um, and who is the head of development control, and I've spoken to the chief executive. All are in agreement <coughs> excuse me, that I read a statement. You may have read a letter in the local papers last week, which was, which was say that, politically motivated, but more importantly, it was misleading and untrue. Applicants, objectors, developers, or members of the public who want to speak at a planning meeting are entitled to expect fair and impartial treatment from this committee, and any attempt to destroy the public's trust will be treated very seriously. The letter from Councillor John Lodge, a Residence for You member of this planning committee, said that Conservative and Liberal Democrat planning committee members combined to allow a planning application at the last meeting. He also wrote that democratic support meant nothing to the Condemn Coalition. Not only was any kind of combining of the two parties or any coalition uh, a figment of Councillor Lodge's imagination, there is absolutely no truth in it, and there is no evidence to support his claim. But we are united in condemning his ridiculous allegation made it's assumed for political gain. As the only member of the Lib Dems on the Planning Committee, I categorically refute the allegation. I am not in coalition with anybody. When I attend a Planning Committee meeting, I leave behind party allegiances because I am a member of the Planning Committee. Uh, yep, hang on, sorry which is non-political and serves all Uttersford residents. And I know most members of this committee, past and present, whichever party they belong to, have felt the same. Planning applications come from all over the district and should be accorded the same respect. Planning is an emotive subject. The decisions we make may please some and upset others. All members of this committee are very aware of that. As Councillor Lodge should know, members of the Planning Committee must not vote politically or collectively. Each member of the committee should have made their decision placed on, based on planning evidence and the MPPF. At our last meeting, Councillor Lodge made derogatory comments about a smell when discussing an application. This comment greatly offended our officers. Accusations of this sort are unacceptable. A public apology was made by Councillor Lodge regarding that statement and is on record. Perhaps he'd also like to apologise this, to this committee after his latest blunder.
The number of members on the planning committee, like all committees, is decided by the number of seats each party gained at the last local election. This is called political balance, and that's where, on this committee, politics should end. It is a regulatory committee, not a political committee. Whilst the determination of a planning application is not quasi-judicial process, it is a formal administrative process involving the application of national and local policies, as well as reference to legislation, case laws and the rules of procedure. Members are aware that they are bound by a code of conduct and probity in planning. If they are found to be in breach of the code, they could be accused of maladministration, which could lead to judicial review and or a complaint to the Ombudsman. They could also be seen to be bringing the committee, or indeed the Council, into disrepute. The Council also has a standards committee and its own code of conduct, voted for by full Council and based on government guidelines. This is why Councillor Lodge's allegations were taken so seriously and prompted this statement. Councillor Lodge, like the rest of us, is bound by that code. The Planning Advisory Service has published a very helpful booklet for councillors and officers based on government guidelines. It states, and I quote, Planning decisions cannot be made on a party political basis. In response to lobbying, it says, the use of political whips to seek to influence the outcome of a planning application is likely to be regarded as maladministration. It also recommends that councillors should receive regular training on the code of conduct issues and predetermination as well as planning matters. For those who may not understand this concept, there will be a planning workshop soon. To reiterate, there is not and never has been between the Conservatives and Liberal Democrats or anyone else as far as I'm aware, uh, any coalition, especially on voting. There's an old saying, don't believe everything you read in the press. And in the case of John Councillor Lodge's letter, this is very true. Thank you for your patience. And now I'll ask Councillor uh, Mr Theobald to take us through the first application. Sorry, a bit waylaid there. Can I have any apologies for absence, please? Madam Chair, I feel I, I should be allowed to make a response to sorry, that we statement. Are, sorry, that was a response to your statement. I think you said enough. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. I don't think that is appropriate, Madam Can Chair. You make, you make ridiculous assertions and you don't give me a chance to respond. That is sorry, completely undemocratic. Councillor Lodge. Thank you very much. I don't want to hear from you now. Thank you. Well, I want to say something. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to allow that. Sorry, can we go through the but minutes just, of the last... Just, well, then, I would like to make a, pro a protest, a very strong protest, at this most undemocratic uh, piece of work by you. If you felt that there was anything wrong with what I was saying, you could have referred it to the Standards Committee. You yourself mentioned the Standards Committee. You have done nothing. You have that route. I have had about four different... Uh, complaints against me for political purposes, all of which have been turned down as unfounded. And I would also like to say, in your statement you said, we are united in making this statement. Who is it that you united in making the statement? It was the people that you accused are united in making that statement. So thank you for your input. In that case, you're making a political statement now. On behalf of the Conservatives and the 
And it has been. Thank you. Noted. Right. Can we go through the minutes of the uh, last meeting, please? Chairman, I have a declaration of interest. Thank Item you, 1, declarations of interest. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Um, I, uh, the declaration is actually because my wife is a teacher at the Hearts and Essex School, which is one of the applications on here. She's also a member of the governors of that school. Uh, on the other hand, we have never discussed the application in hand, uh, and um, so there's been no correspondence on that matter or, or dialogue, uh, but I want to declare that just in case. Thank you. Sorry, Councillor Chambers, you wanted to speak? Sorry, Madam Chairman. Uh, Madam Chairman, I think if I'm right when I've read the papers, there's an application coming up from Councillor Redfern. Um, uh, as a fellow uh, district councillor with Councillor Redfern, I think it would only be sensible if I left the room when that application was taken. Well, I don't know if that's necessary because we all know Councillor Redfern. We're all councillors and we'll work with her. But I will take advice from our legal officer. Thank you. Thank you. you. In this particular case, Madam Chairman, sorry, Madam Chairwoman, <laughs> that's right, simply, be, simply being a member of a two-member ward and the same political party, is that correct? As an applicant in their private capacity does not amount to a prejudicial interest unless there is a closer relationship, uh, for example, carpooling to council meetings, etc. Is there such a closer relationship, Councillor Chambers, or are you thank, simply just thank you, thank you, joint Madam members? Um, Mrs Smith, thank you very much indeed for that. As long as that's been clarified, then I will stay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Right, now, for the minutes of the last meeting... Chair, I have a declaration of interest. Oh. For the Hazels at, uh, Hazels at uh, Clavering, uh, a very close friend of mine lives next door, in fact, in Hazels, so I shall withdraw for that one. OK, thank you, Councillor Lange. Right, then I actually will do the minutes of... <laughs> the last meeting. Madam Chairman, could I propose oh. them as a true and correct record? <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, Chairman, I have a correction to make to those minutes, which would mean they're not a true and accurate record. So, so if I may just... Thank you. Uh, if you turn to page 7, Chairman, um, this is the item PC35, the Chief Officer's Report. Um, I think some of this might have been lost in translation. I remember it was a very spirited discussion. Um, but the second paragraph, the very last uh, phrase of the second paragraph, possibly officers from other authorities could be brought in to defend planning appeals. Um, that was uh, an honest uh, suggestion on my part. It's standard practice within the civil service, Madam Chairman, uh, to bring in officers from another authority, a neighbouring authority, if there appears to be a conflict of interest. If we find that anathema, that is their problem, it's not contrary to standard practice. Same applies to the police force and to all sorts of other things. And if we turn over on page 8, the second paragraph, the development manager says that if an individual officer had a difference of opinion with the case officer, 
then that person will conduct the appeal. For clarity, uh, Chairman, I presume by saying that person, that person would be the planning officer who happened to have a difference of opinion. It would be the person of the other view that would carry out the appeal. Is that correct? Do I understand that correctly? Yes, I can, I can understand why that's, that's the way that's really is confusing me. Yes, it's the person with a different view would be, i.e., the view of the committee. And finally, the final paragraph... Um, taxpayers might not, be, uh, might not consider further spending. My point is that if you're cross-charging an officer from another authority, that is the cheapest possible way to get high-quality advice and representation. You cross-charge the person's salary and their overheads and the cost of them getting to and from wherever it is. It is a most economical way of doing things and it is highly respected. The officer would be highly respected. So I do not want to see this just thrown out because of the argument that took place over it. It seems to me a very reasonable way to proceed and one which we should at least consider adopting. I'll let uh, Mr Brown answer yeah, that. Without reopening that discussion, I think it is not something that we will rule out. It's an option, and it will remain an option. We, we need to be cuter in terms of the way we do these things, and that is one of those options, and I respect that view, yeah. Thank you, and I have something on page 8. Councillor Lachlan said members could make decisions democratically, but it was part of the process that appeals be successful if there was no good planning reason for refusal. Well, obviously that makes no sense, because obviously we don't have to have good planning reasons for refusal, so uh, I'd like to see that altered, please. Okay. I will propose the, the minutes of the last meeting. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. <laughs> now to business. Mr Theobald, would you please take us through UTT 17-0649-OP Felstead. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Members saw the site this morning, so I don't particularly want to... Uh, go into any great detail on the application proposal, so just a summary really of what you saw for those members who weren't there, then uh, the uh, synopsis of this application uh, is as follows. First of all, housekeeping, you've got a sub-rep which um, I discussed on site relating to newts, which uh, 2017 newt survey has updated the population on the site and there's an increase over the 2015 um, population and there was a fourth indicative site layout plan showing uh, an optional retention of the lane frontage which you've got on that sub-rep. So that, that is the sub-rep to mention. In terms of the application merits, uh, as I pointed out, this is an outline application with all matters reserved for the principle of residential use uh, with the indicative drawings showing how eight dwellings could be accommodated on the site. Uh, now, um, I don't wish to labour on <coughs> these. Uh, <laughs> cut off my crime. Apologies for the day, there's a little man underneath the desk fixing the microphones.
Yeah. <laughs> you try Hello? Hello? Is that... No? No, no, no. That's all right. Charmed to hear you speak. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, it's been thought that it might be better to adjourn for a few minutes because, um, you know, you don't want to hold anybody up or anything. Yeah, so sorry about this technical hitch. Right. Can everybody hear now? Is that better? Or oh, there doesn't seem to be that echo now that there was before. <coughs> yeah. Can can members hear? Okay. Right. Can members of the public hear? Okay. 
Right, okay, thank you. Thank you. Right, well, excuse me, members, could you take your seats, please? We're back in business. I'm very well aware of who everybody is. I, right, okay. Right, Mr Theobald, I'm sorry you were interrupted. Would you mind starting again, please? Thank you. That's quite all right. Okay, as I was saying, uh, this is principle of use, so all matters reserved. There has been a layout option scheme uh, or scheme submitted uh, to show uh, how um, the layout could be achieved. Um, the scheme would have an equivalent site density of 12 dwellings per hectare, which is low, uh, and there would be sufficient space within the site for eight dwellings to be accommodated to comply with parking and rear private amenity standards for each dwelling. I would stress layout is not uh, up for consideration, but it's an attempt to show how 12 dwellings could be accommodated at this site in various ways, So, as you saw. Um, the, the mix would be uh, uh, two beds, three beds and four beds, which is considered to be a, an acceptable housing mix at this edge of settlement location, should this mix be presented for any reserved matters application. We discussed newts on site, uh, just to confirm the situation that the newt translocation would go to the rear of uh, the, the red line, as you can see, uh, and that would be... Uh, on land within the applicant's control called Site C and Essex County Council Ecology have removed their initial holding objection to this proposal following further information submitted within the ecology report relating to bats. And so they are satisfied that the further receptor site would be appropriate should this development go ahead. The scheme is not large enough to qualify for affordable housing, although the applicant has unilaterally offered to financially contribute to the Felsted Community Hub, which would be an offer made outside of the uh, Council's control, of course, as there would be no Section 106 agreement to that effect. So members say, saw the site this morning. Uh, representations have been received from the Parish Council and local residents against the scheme as itemised in the report. However, as the report concludes, it is considered that the planning balance for this proposal is tilted to a presumption in favour of sustainable development when tested against the provisions of the NPPF and the Council's lack of a five-year housing supply notwithstanding that some localised harm would be caused to the site's semi-rural setting under ULP policy S7. So therefore, Chairman, it is recommended that the application be approved with conditions imposed as recommended by Essex County Council Ecology relating to the transfer of newts onto Site C and appropriate mitigation measures. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thurgood. Um, and we have the agent, uh, Mr. Thomas, Roland Thomas, if you'd like to speak, please. And you have three minutes. Thank you.
Good afternoon, Madam Chair and members. Um, thank you. I'm largely, um, as I'm the agent from Acorus, um, I'm largely content with um, Clive Theobald's presenta uh, presentation. So it's only really to pick up and reiterate uh, a couple of points. Um, the uh, four indicative site layouts uh, that were provided, um, the last, the latest one, uh, shows a single access to the west, which is an existing access, and leaves the uh, frontage hedgerow entirely intact. Uh, I mentioned that because that's something that the parish and the um, council's landscape officer picked up on. So with that, and the fact that landscape can be, um, could be improved um, and uh, provided for at a reserve matter stage, I believe um, covers that uh, item. Also, all the TPO and the mature trees around the site periphery uh, will be maintained, will be, will be entirely retained, and the um, TPO trees to the western um, uh, boundary are all, in any event, are all to the rear of any potential dwellings. Um, as already said, the uh, scheme is of a low density, uh, and we believe there's you know, more than adequate amenity space within the site and also between that and uh, nearby dwellings. Um, as the committee is no doubt aware uh, with this matter, the, the key element at uh, the heart of MPPF is the presumption in favour uh, of sustainable development, which we believe this is. It's close to local towns with good transport routes, close to the A120, and even more locally, there are services, job facilities at the local school, um, with, I believe, um, there are over two, 700 people uh, employed there at the, at the public school. So that, was, so there would be, um, that would enable econ an economic benefit. Um, also, the local primary school there, no doubt, um, I'm sure some of you are aware, the parking difficulties. So this site does, um, I feel strongly, um, uh, uh, is sustainable in, in terms of um, people can walk, or cycle to local facilities um, and also with the environmental um, side of things the uh, recent new survey in 2017 has shown nearly an increase in uh, a twofold increase in the number of newts between 2017 and 2015. Um, again with the MPPF it, it recognises um, that the development of such as this there's almost bound to be some uh, negative impacts. Um, but um, to detract from uh, the scheme being approved, these must be significantly and demonstrably uh, outweigh the benefits. Um, we believe the benefits we've shown and the potential contribution for the local community um, uh, maintain this as a sustainable scheme. Um, and really, that's all I have um, on the matter. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, I believe Councillor Davey wanted to speak, and then Councillor Ranger. Only to get the engineer out to fix the uh, sound. Thank you. So you're okay. You're not speaking to the application. Okay, Councillor Ranger, would you like to speak? Thank you, Chairman. Um, some clarification, please, if I may. Um, the description of the application should, to my mind, be up to eight dwellings, not precisely eight. Um, that's our, been our policy for some while. Um, regarding the access which will be coming back <coughs> in detail, uh, outlines will be grant permission. 
Um, dare I say option four would be the most preferred. Um, perhaps uh, not getting too historic about that. Um, why no education consultation um, seeking a, a contribution um, and on the affordable housing, um, our published policy uh, does require um, a contribution for eight dwellings to my mind. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Ranger. Uh, Mr Theobald, would you like to answer that? Yes, um, hopefully simple on both counts. Education, the minimum threshold for consultation on education provision for primary and secondary is 20 dwellings. So this therefore falls short of that number. And similarly on affordable housing, the, the, the latest interpretation is that affordable housing contributions kicks in when it's 11 units or over. So 10 or less is therefore not required. Yes, please do. I'm surprised the development contribution is still on the website because it's not worth the paper it's written on at the moment. It's been ceremoniously trashed on a number of appeals. But that has been post-dated by the government statement in terms of trying to seek it. So that is not actually accepted policy, unfortunately. And, uh, but that should, have been that should have been removed from the website because it's, 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 it's a background paper, but it's not actually established policy. Well, um, can we leave it to you as uh, our development manager, please, Mr Brown, to get it removed? Yes, Thank you, you can do. Councillor Ranger, would you mind turning off your mic, please? Thank you. Does anybody else wish to speak to this application? Councillor Lodge? Thank you, Chair. Yes, I'd like to uh, actually agree very much with, with Councillor Ranger about the, of, of the various options. I feel that the retention of the hedgerow is quite important. I noted that the, um, uh, the Parish Council were particularly keen on that. Um, I, I just wanted to, to be sure that, it w that this would come back. I mentioned to... Uh, uh, to Mr Theobald this morning and I hoped he would be coming back and so uh, if I could have confirmation of that then I would be very comfortable with, uh, with, with that fourth option. I can confirm that, that if, because as an application if this was approved today uh, and we had a reserve matters application in for eight dwellings then that would come back here automatically as part of a, under the delegating scheme. Councillor Freeman you'd like to say something? Yes thank you Madam Chairman. Uh, if you go to page 12 the Parish Council comments I'd just like clarification. Uh, the third bullet point in 8.1 tells us it's part of Essex County Council's Quiet Lanes network. I hadn't noticed that. I think it is material, although it's not, in my view, sufficiently material to bring into question this application. But Quiet Lanes need to be looked after, otherwise they may as well not exist. The next bullet point, um, the Parish Council points out that the removal of the last substantial stretch of hedge would be unacceptable, and I, I tend to agree with that. It's quite a well-developed hedgerow. The plan that we're looking at in front of us doesn't damage it at all. And I would be, I would like, I don't know if it's possible to put conditions at this stage, but it would be a good idea to condition that so that the hedge was substantially untouched in the development. I think that would be beneficial both to the quiet lanes and also um, to the, um, the fact that the hedge needs to be retained. Thank you. Mr Theobald? 
Um, I don't think we can do that on this outline application because it is the principle of development which we're talking about. However, landscaping is a reserved matter and it has been already indicated by the applicant, by the developer, that in recognition of the Parish Council comments to retain the frontage hedgerow, which, um, to be honest, I'm not quite sure what the hedgerow is there because it's sort of self-seeded vegetation, but in terms of a, a depth of any hedge line, then the applicant has already indicated by this indicative fourth option layout plan that they would be willing to retain the hedgerow if it meant that uh, that aspect of the lane would be retained. Okay. And finally, Chairman, the final bullet point um, uh, from the Parish Council. They uh, mentioned that uh, the developer appears to have omitted uh, the fact that some of the trees have got preservation orders on them, and that obviously, whether it's... Uh, uh, an outline or reserve matters, it's something that definitely should go into the mix in my view. Well, the first thing to say is that uh, TPOs are statutory protected, so therefore there is no uh, right to fell a tree without uh, notification because it's an offence. So that's the first thing. And secondly, the applicant has already indicated that all those preserved trees, oaks and otherwise, on the track, on the outside edge of the site would be retained as part of the proposal and that's already clear in the ecology report as well. Thank you. Councillor Hicks, you wanted to speak. Thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> I think um, quite briefly, I, I wish to um, propose that this application should be approved. Uh, having seen the site this morning, it seems to me uh, eminently sensible that there should be development there um, it, in a sustainable location as has been remarked and uh, I can see no uh, other uh, conclusion to draw than the one the office is true and that is for approval Thank you Leslie wants to speak shall I get that or a second to first Councillor Wells would like to speak first and then I look for a second okay, thank you Yes, just one small point. I wanted to pick up on something Councillor Ranger mentioned is are we able to specify at this stage, as he suggested, up to eight houses? Um, the the, the front straight answer to that is no, because the applicant has submitted an application for eight. Um, picking up Councillor Ranger's point, it isn't actually a policy to actually insist of up to. It's usually the best way forward, because, but as you see, the applicant has put in, that's probably why we've had all these different options, which are, which has given you a sort of a flavour of what may be coming, but it's not, but it, what it has done is shown that the site could be developed for eight dwellings in some sort of form. So as a result of that, um, we, it's usually something that I would not normally go for. Normally I would say up to is probably the best number, because otherwise you end up with reserve matters where you have to have eight. But in this case, they have indicated that they can get eight on the site with various options. So it's not actually a problem. But we have, to, we have to consider what's been put in front of us. And this particular one, um, which is not the norm, but uh, it's, not, it's not never happened, um, uh, they put a specified number, which is fine in terms of this. So it would be just for eight. Okay. Oh, Councillor Chambers. Madam Chair, I just wanted to ask uh, through you, Mr Theobald, are you quite happy with regard to uh, surface water and the possibility of flooding? Because it is awful wet up. I know that very well up there, and it is extremely wet, and I wouldn't want to think that anybody got flooded. 
Yes, um, even though I think it's reasonably flat across the site, um, I was conscious that there needs to be some mitigation strategy for surface water. So one of the conditions, as recommended in the report, is for a, um, a, a suitable SUDS um, scheme to be put in so that any surface water drainage can be addressed at detailed stage. So it's a condition in the recommendation. Councillor Renji, you'd like to come back? If I may, Chairman, just I don't really want to labour the point too much, but um, from what Mr Brown just said, um, were we to grant permission today, the committee puts itself into a cleft stick. We have an application coming forward for eight, and we would then be struggling to find reasons to object if we felt we'd have to go to Gen 2 for design or something. And it makes life difficult. Why can't we say today up to eight? Um, or if we can't today, then I would suggest that <coughs> we give serious consideration to instructing officers not to accept an application with, with a definitive number. Okay, Mr. Brown. Carol's just, if she can get to the planning application form, which might be in there, might not. Now, the issue is the fact that I do agree with you, um, and this becomes a particular pertinent point, especially when we're talking with bigger sites, where you know you've got, if you've got. Um, an application for 122 dwellings and suddenly they can only get 120 on there and suddenly it causes a problem. Um, on the... Because yeah, it just says... Yeah. yeah, because the application says proposed residential development and it actually says eight residential units, I would, have, I would have preferred this application to have been could we change this to up to eight for the very reasons you'll say. But let's go, go a step forward. If, if an application comes in for eight dwellings at a later stage, um, you still have Gen 2, you still have issues in terms of design that you could uh, reject it over if you were not happy with the, the design of the dwellings. But if you said there's eight, well, yeah, actually, I think it would have been better with seven or better with six. Yes, you, that, 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 ship's float, that ship's gone. You can't argue that. So really, at this point, um, the only argument whether eight is sufficient is um, you know, arguing about it in terms of overdevelopment, for instance. If you think eight might be too many, then now's the time to raise that as an issue. But I think the applicant, by coming up with a number of options, has indicated it's how eight could be put on there rather than whether eight could be put on there. But I think there's a message that I do agree with your message, but in this particular case, because of the work that the applicant's done in terms of coming up with various options, it may be okay. But I think that's a message maybe officers should take away because it's something that I would prefer to have been up to eight because it, it, it can cause problems, but I don't think it will here. No, okay. Just to complete, <laughs> if I may. Councillor Ranger. Yes, it is up to the developer to come back now. We don't want a lack of garden space. We don't want lack of parking spaces on plot. We don't want lack of visitor parking spaces. We don't want loss, loss of hedgerow and loss of trees. So that, if that message is clearly understood, then I'm happy. Thank you. So you're happy, you're happy with that now? Yep, Council Hicks has proposed it. So I'm looking for a seconder, if anyone... Oh, Council Arranger. <laughs> okay, then we'll go to the vote. Um, all those in favour of approval, please show. That's uh, unanimous. Thank you very much. And now we'll go to, if I can put my glasses on so I can see, UTT 
17-1951-FUL, and that's Great Hallingbury. And uh, ask Mrs Denmark to take us through that, please. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. This application is located to the south of Beldham's Lane and it relates to a scheme submitted by um, Hertfordshire County Council and the Hertfordshire and Essex School. Um, and it's a scheme that arises due to other development proposals on the existing school sites. Now, hopefully, you've all received this pack, which has the um, Hertz County Council's. Um, committee report which is due to be considered tomorrow morning in relation to the um, other proposals. Um, put simply, Hearts and Essex School is located on Warwick Road in Bishop Stortford which is this orange um, blob here and its current playing fields are the blue blob um, down here and our application site is this pink blob here. Um, the school currently is a 5.6 form entry and there is a need to increase the size to 6 form entry due to being oversubscribed. Um, the proposals, just to give you some insight into what's going on in the rest of the development, so the, the other application due to be considered tomorrow is basically um, to convert the existing gym into um, sixth form college uh, extra accommodation for the sixth form to free up the um, education floor space within the school for the sixth form entries uh, sorry, for the sixth forms of entry um, and as a result a new um, this is the scheme on their existing playing field so you've got a sports pitch, tennis courts and um, a sports building and 121 space car park down the bottom. Um, so they're displacing their existing playing field. So the proposal is to convert this field into um, a, a playing, playing field for the school. It will require some regrading across the site just to level it out a bit and um, some engineering works for um, the subs features. The um, the scheme includes two layouts, uh, the winter layout which is three pitches and the summer layout which is a track and various throw-in um, bits. Um, there isn't any buildings proposed on this site, this is um, a greenbelt site. Um, the, the facilities here will provide the changing facilities for the people using the, sports the new sports fields on the opposite side of the road. Um, it's noted there have been objections to the proposals, um, but predominantly these appear to relate more to the use of the site that Hearts County Council are considering rather than the site that um, we're considering, because they refer to um, issues like late night openings for 11 o'clock, um, where the hours of opening on the other application have been amended and you're not going to be able to use these playing fields at 11 o'clock at night because you're not going to see. Um, and there's also issues regarding parking and it would be up to Hertfordshire County Council as both the Education and the Highway Authority to enforce parking measures in that area 
um, and control people using this site. No vehicular access to the site is proposed other than that required for construction and maintenance. And the issues are set out in the agenda um, and it's recommended that the application be approved subject to the conditions set out in the agenda. And I've also given you a green sheet which is um, a copy of this letter. Uh, it's um, Essex County Council as the lead local flood authority have re um, withdrawn their objection and recommended for additional conditions. So it's the conditions as set out in the agenda plus these four conditions on here which are their standard conditions in relation to studs. Right. Are you finished? No? Okay, thanks. Right, and we have uh, a Jessica Melton who wishes to speak, uh, an objector. Thank you very much. Hi, speaking on behalf of Hamies Residents Association. Don't be fooled into thinking this is merely an application for a couple of sports pitches in the Greenbelt. It is the integral part of the much bigger application which just happens to be across the border in the other county. Neither is it to help the school expand. It's actually to provide for facilities for a judo club, a hockey club and two netball clubs. In fact, the pitches would be 17 minutes walk each way from the school's main site, taking away from lesson time. Distance to the school was given as a reason for not using the existing pitch, so why create ones further away? This application should not be considered in isolation, but as context of the far bigger project to construct a sports hub as part of East Hearts Council's leisure strategy rather than merely as an exercise in providing replacement playing fields. This application does not provide for any supporting facilities on the playing pitches, such as parking, shelter, changing rooms or toilets. These all form part of the application before Hearts County Council. These applications are clearly interdependent and the cumulative effects of both applications together must be taken into account. The Sports Hub is intended to attract a vast number of participators, participants and spectators, born out of the school's business case, which states that usage is anticipated to be very high indeed. Only 23% of it would be by the school, with 77% of it by other groups, including 30% by the lead partner alone. Beldham's Lane is not only just a rat run, sorry, Beldham's Lane is a rat run used mainly to avoid hog reel lights. It's a narrow residential road. Many residents park in the road, effectively making it a single carriageway, so sight lines are poor. Cars then speed up between the traffic build-ups in order to make up the time, exactly where the users will be crossing. The two main junctions at Dunmo Road and Hallingbury Road both suffer build-up at peak times and are prone to accidents, one of which took place this week, causing gridlock getting into the town while the police attended. The transport assessment quite clearly underestimates the number of users and therefore the amount of traffic that will be generated. It completely omits calculations for users of the sports hall, the exercise classes, badminton, volleyball, etc. It underestimates use of the dojo at 30 when the judo club's own admission it should be 80 users per evening. A huge difference. It also fails to take into account the traffic that would be generated by the planned relocation of a local GP surgery to the hospital on Haymeads Lane. 
We believe the calculations in the transports assessment are flawed and therefore must not be relied upon. The Bowls Club um, wants its greens to be protected from stray balls. The perimeter of the pitches, of course, need to be kept secure. This will require a tall, robust fence. This would not be appropriate in Greenbelt and would have the effect of enclosing an area which will... Excuse me, I'm sorry, sorry interrupting you. Would you mind finishing up, Dan, please? Course, Thank yeah. you which would in itself be different from the surrounding farmland and levelled to short-mown grass. The distance from the school taken with the site's unsuitability for education and the risk of harm to openness means there's no very special circumstances for allowing such a development in the Greenbelt. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now we have the agent, Ruth Gray, who would like to speak. Chairman and members of the Planning Committee, thank you. Members will be aware of the education need for this development and that the MPPF asks decision makers to attribute great weight to the need for additional school places. The Hearts and Essex School is currently deficient in playing fields to meet its current size and this deficit will be exacerbated as the school expands to meet the need for additional school places. An alternative site assessment submitted with the planning application shows that this is the most appropriate location for the new pitches, having undertaken a site search. Therefore, we consider there is an in-principle need for the development in this location. Acknowledging that the development is located in the Greenbelt, the applicant has sought to minimise the harm whilst providing an education facility that is accessible and functional for school use. This is why the playing pitches do not have their own car park, own vehicular access and why they are not floodlit. This would be unnecessarily harmful to the Greenbelt. The school has calculated walking routes between the sites and is preparing the September 2018 curriculum so that maximum time is available for educational use. Pupils will register at the proposed Beldams Lane Sports Facility in the morning and afternoon for PE lessons. There is then a short four-minute walk from the proposed sports centre to the playing pitches, which can be improved with minimal changes. The new pitches will be used primarily by the school. There may be some limited community use in summer evenings only, and if this is the case, users will be required to park on the Beldams Lane site and walk across to Bowling Lane using the same walking route as pupils. This requirement can be controlled through the lettings arrangements and the school will be more than happy to accept a planning condition to this effect. This will ensure that all car parking is located on Beldams Lane to avoid disruption to neighbours. The transport assessment submitted with the planning application shows that this potential requirement, as, as well as all of the requirements for the users at the Beldams Lane Sports Centre, including all the community groups, have been taken into account in the calculations for car parking and traffic generation. And indeed, the Highway Authority is satisfied with the proposals in that respect. A significant, a significant number of technical studies have been undertaken to support the application, demonstrating the effects of development can be mitigated where necessary. 
The applicant has reviewed all the planning conditions in the officer's committee report and on their behalf we can confirm these are all acceptable and would not be the subject of any appeals. This application in conclusion, Chairman and members of the planning committee, is an extremely important part of a package to provide additional school places and improve PE facilities for the school and, yes, the local community. As such, we respectfully commend this application to the planning committee for approval. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Um, well, before I open it up to members, uh, I just got a couple of questions myself. Um, one of them is uh, that it says the applicant or any successor in title must maintain yearly logs of maintenance. Will that be uh, to us or to East Hearts? That is to us. East Hearts actually don't have any part in this. It's Hertfordshire County Council is considering the um, partner um, application. Um, and um, so the, the yearly logs as required in the um, conditions for SUDS, they would come to us and we would pass those to Essex County Council for monitoring. Great, thank you for clearing that up. And the other one is Caden Gas, which says that um, the proposed activities uh, you know, may be illegal. It's uh, page 29. 8.6 Cadent Gas. Your proposal is currently specified is in proximity to Cadent and our national grid apparatus, which may impact and possibly prevent your proposed activities for safety and or legal reasons. Could you clear that up for us, please? Yeah, okay, there's a pipeline <coughs> within the vicinity and it is in, up to the applicant to ensure that they carry out appropriate. Um, working practices so that they don't um, put any potential detriment to that pipeline but it's just basically an informative Oh okay, thank you uh, uh, Do I have any questions or any, uh, anything from members? Councillor Ranger Thank you Chair um, Just referring to uh, Mrs Denmark's note about the County Council conditions. Um, my reading of it is that they are included except their condition number one. Um, their conditions uh, three and four are identical to what we already have on the paper. Um, condition one and two, I think, may be required to be new conditions added in. However, that's um, something that can be dealt with. Um, I think from the comments from the objection side, 90-odd um, percent of those are for East Hearts as the local planning authority to deal with. They're not for us. Um, as a council, um, my job is to encourage greater participation in activity, especially in young people. Um, so the um, creation of new clubs um, that were outlined is a good thing. Um, I, I couldn't, in all honesty, object to this if it meant that East Hearts were unable to um, promote the greater participation in activity. Um, and we have to leave it to them to make sure that all the mitigating factors are covered within any approval they may give. Thank you. Thank you. Well, okay. Uh, I'm looking for a proposal. Does anybody? Oh, I've got two hands go up. So, Councillor Davy, I think you had the edge there. So, uh, and a seconder. Councillor Ranger. Sorry, did you want to speak, Councillor Hicks? Uh, no, I was only going second if you haven't another seconder. 
um, we'll go to the vote. So all those in favour of approval, please show. I thought it was seven. I don't know. Eight. Well, uh, <laughs> right, that's eight, so that application is approved. Thank you. And now we'll go to UTT 17-1950FUL, and that's Clavering. And uh, Mr. Mills isn't here, so I assume that it's uh, Mr. Brown taking us through this. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Just at this point to say that Councillor Lodge has left the room, so uh, I don't know why... Did he? Did he ask? I didn't see from behind the screen. So should we should we adjourn it for a minute or carry no, on? No, no. Councillor Lodge declared an interest, so he has to leave. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, you're right. He did. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll carry on then. Thank you, Chairman. Members will recall this application from I think a couple of three months back, where it when it came to this committee, um, where members. Um, this application follows the uh, previous dismissed of this appeal. Uh, members will see from the supplementary representations that there is an appeal history to this particular site. Um, um, what we've included in the supplementary representations is the full copy of the parish comments because um, there was comments that they may have been over-summarised within the report. And for, clar for, for um, completeness, I've also included the uh, appeal decision that we were referring to. I, I gave members that on the coach this morning because, so that you've had a chance to, to read it, so it hasn't even bounced on you. Um, it should be, should be made noted that the reasons the original application was, was dismissed at appeal was not on a point of principle, it was on the point of the design. The actual dwellings were considered too large for that particular setting and that was why the application was dismissed. And members will recall that a few months back we actually approved two new dwellings on this particular site. So the situation now is the, site, the, the proposed dwellings are larger than that what was approved last time, um, but we need to look at them in terms of context. Hang on, let's go back a bit. Yeah, they are the two. Hang on, do we, yeah, let's go previous first. Um, so we have plots one and, can I run the right way? Plots one and two there. That is what you're actually looking at in terms of the proposed street scene. With that being plot one, that being plot two. So that is what we've actually got the proposal in front of you. And to look further forward, uh, the next one, will, that is the proposed plot one, which is um, a chalet bungalow. There's no word for it. That's what that one particularly is. And the next property is um, a chalet house. It's a house, um, but it's using dormers in the, in the roof space. Um, the consideration here is quite simple, is in terms of the impact on the site upon the street scene. Uh, it's not necessarily the principle of development. It is the principle of development has already been accepted and planning permission has been granted for two units. But what I thought I'd do is show you what the dismissed appeal was. This was the previous dismissed appeal, um, that sort of obviously the one before, the one we just approved. We showed dwellings to the front and garaging to the rear. That's not necessarily what we've got here. And this was the original 
house that was dismissed on appeal. And as you see, there is, there is no gables, there was rooms in the roof space here as well, so therefore it was a two-storey bare dwelling with quite a substantial dwelling, and then the, the, that is the rear of the dwelling, which shows quite a gable. So it is a substantial dwelling. Um, I don't think there was an issue about the... Oh, hang on. So I'll go back to what's being proposed here. So again, that is the dismissed appeal, and what we have in front of us... Maybe I'll put it. That is what's proposed in front of us. So therefore it is considered by officers that this, although larger than the application that was approved, is not to the degree of the one that was dismissed on appeal and therefore we have an application for approval in front of us. So the application is recommended for approval and it's for members' judgment to conclude whether or not it's gone that far. I don't think it has. Thank you. Well, we do have some speakers. We have the local member, Councillor Oliver. If you'd like to come to the microphone, please, Councillor Oliver. Thank you, Chairman. Members, in the yellow pages, supplementary list representations, you'll have seen the written full views of the Clavering Parish Council and also a copy of the appeal decision from June 2016. These were not presented late because the agenda, seems, seemed, agenda paper seemed to ignore them. The inclusion of the papers was at the request of the Chairman of the Parish Council and myself. It's very much hoped that you will have had time to read them since they would appear to have an important bearing on this application. As uh, Nigel Brown says, this is the third application to develop the site in the last two years. The first was rejected by this, by this planning committee and was appealed and that appeal was rejected by a highly qualified inspector in June 16, June 16, following a visit in May 2016, only some 15 months ago. There was then an application granted in May this year for two much smaller houses. Now there is this application for two houses which have jointly a larger footprint than those of the application that was dismissed by the inspector. Therefore, I feel it very strange that this agenda item only makes a passing reference to the, the appeal decision, and that is in paragraph 11.4. It is ignored in the relevant site history in paragraph 6.1. Is not the view of the inspector, only 15 months ago, relevant. That appeal decision was one of the reasons this application was called in. It features strongly in Clavering Parish Council's comments and was originally ignored in paragraph 8.1 and also in the comments of the residents in paragraph 10.1. It was only when I and Mrs Gill, the chairman of the Parish Council, objected strongly as to how this agenda item was prepared that you, the members, were given the site of the appeal decision and of Clavering Parish Council's comments in full. 
It is interesting to note that if one takes the footprint of the houses subject to the appeal as a base, the footprint of the houses approved in May 2017 was smaller, and now the footprint of those in this application is larger than, than that base figure. It may also be of interest to consider what the inspector considered to be the main issues when she considered the appeal. They were the effect of the proposal on the character and appearance of the surrounding countryside, and whether the proposed dwellings can be justified having regard to development, the development, plans, to development plan policies for development in the countryside. In paragraph 13 of the appeal decision, she states there is ribbon development along the, the Wiccan Road. This part of the road is defined by open and rural appearances. The site appears distinct and part of the countryside outside the development limits of the village, as the nearby dwellings are mainly fairly low in height, etc. In fact, the nearest houses are either bungalows or chalet bungalows, which are both the chalet bungalows are considerably smaller than that which are being applied for now. The inspector went on to say in paragraph 22, however, that the economic and social benefit of the support of local services and the contribution to housing supply created by this development would not outweigh the harm, would not outweigh the harm of the countryside that would be caused by the loss of the green and open site and the introduction of an inappropriate form of development. Now, this is from an independent inspector. Now we have the recommendation, only 15 months later, for a development with a larger footprint. If the earlier one was inappropriate, then this must, must also be so. And frankly, I'm concerned and confused as to why the officers recommend this application for acceptance. There are, there, there are the views of the inspector, the grounds of which have not changed since last year. And then in paragraph 12a, the officers also note that the proposal does not accord with the development plan due to conflicts with policy on the location of houses, countryside, character and sustainable trans transport, which is in agreement with the inspector. Gentlemen, I would, sorry, members, I would ask you to refuse this application. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Oliver. And we I'll, have leave it on. I'll leave it on. Yeah, can do. We have an objector, uh, Mrs. Barrow. Thank you. As residents, we are appalled that the planning officers are recommending that this green and open space be eradicated by houses with no benefits sufficient to outweigh the harm they cause to the countryside. Contrary to the ecologist's report, there are several species of native orchids on the site which will not survive in a garden environment. Also, the large pond to the southwest and within 100 metres has abundant pond life, including breeding frogs, newts and dragonflies. It is unbelievable that the application for two smaller houses was approved in May, overriding the planning inspector's findings when she dismissed an appeal last year for development of this site. All her biodiversity comments 
as well as other comments on the design, harm and sustainability had been totally ignored by UDC. However, what shocked us more was that the site's neighbours informed us that the developer had visited them and informed them that when the application for the smaller houses was approved, it was not financially viable for him to build them, so he would be putting in an application straight away for houses as large as the initial refused on appeal application. In his opinion, that by the smaller houses being allowed meant that the site was then sustainable for development of larger houses and no one could argue against it. This current application is for dwellings very much larger both in height and footprint than the application approved in May and now fills the widths of the site, which again is contrary to the findings of the planning inspector. It is similar to the application that was refused on appeal. Are UDC really communicating to ratepayers that developers can get round the planning inspectorate's decisions by applying to build smaller houses than those they wish to build and then returning for permission and pleading that the only way for them to remain in business as a developer is by being allowed to build larger houses? Thank you. Thank you. And we have another objector, uh, Janine Whittingham. Now, in this present application, my personal concern is the proximity of my house, Green Gables, to, to the house. Um, this is something which hasn't been sort of taken account of, I think. If you look at the plan in the house next to Green Babel, replacing the bungalow in the previous application as a garage and a parking space, which, according to an architect which I consulted, is only one meter away from my boundary, one meter. The drive which leads to these is only a th one and a half meter away. The previous application showed a buffer zone along my boundary, which does not exist anymore, to make place for a parking space. Now, if you look at the map again, I just wonder wh why the gap between the other house, number two, and the neighbor's boundary is much bigger than mine. <coughs> what has not been shown on the plan are two windows on the side of my bungalow facing directly onto the new house, only seven meters away from the parking space and the drive. There are habitable rooms. The problem would be noise pollution, noxious fumes from exhaust, for instance, cars and vans going up, up and down the drive, engines left running in the winter to clear the windscreen, banging of doors, etc. So this is very close for comfort, too close for comfort. Now, the next problem is that we, there are actually 15-foot trees behind the boundary which provide a screen, for, and they would have to be cut down to make place for the parking space against the recommendation of the ecologist who advised to keep trees standing as much as possible. 
There's a proviso which was made to plant new trees, but in this one meter strip, it would be impossible to plant new trees. There is to erect a fence six foot against my hedge, where usually birds are nesting, but it's a very poor substitute. Now, in this large field, one can't, I can't see why the garage and the parking space were not placed on the other side of the house as it is for the other plot. I'm very unhappy about this lack of amenities, which would make me suffer fairly. Should I keep windows shut all the time? I chose to live in a quiet village, not in a noisy town, with houses close together, and this is particularly why I strongly object to this application. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mrs. Barrow. Now I've got down here a Mr. I'll call you Mrs. Barrow, it's not right. A Councillor Brain Barrow. Is, is that Councillor Brian? But I thought it might be. <laughs> well, uh, very flattering. <laughs> okay. Well, if you'd like to speak to the committee. Madam Chairman and Members, I'm speaking on behalf of Clavering Parish Council. Clavering Parish Council trusts that the Members have now been able to acquaint themselves fully with the history of this site and the reasons for the previous application dismissal, as we are aware this was not on the original supporting documents. As you are aware, this site is outside the village's de development envelope. This present application has far more in common with the application refused by UDC and dismissed at appeal last year than the one presented to you and passed at committee a few months ago. Committee members will recall how that the case officer a few months ago stated that the appeal findings related to larger dwellings than those on the application being applied for in May, so he considered all the comments in the appeal were irrelevant. Well, in front of you now are larger dwellings once more spanning the width of the site again. They may be slightly reduced in height to the ones dismissed at appeal, but the footprint is larger. The overall bulk is therefore much the same, and it is a trick of the eye that they may not seem larger than those permitted, as the scales of the drawings are different. So using the previous assertions as a guidance, this would indicate that all the comments in the appeal are now relevant. Clavering Parish Council assumes that Uttlesford District Council cannot presently determine, demonstrate the five-year housing supply. Therefore, the local plan policies are not saved and we therefore make our representations under NPPF guidelines. If the local plan is saved, Council knows that S7 policy is not wholly NPPF compliant, but in previous appeals for other sites, it has been found to be seeking to embrace an approach that acknowledges the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside should be recognised while supporting thriving communities within it. Clavering Parish Council cannot comprehend why the planning office has not had regard to the three strains of sustainability under the NPPF and refers only to the site being considered a sustainable location. Clavering Parish Council also failed to comprehend how a planning officer can recommend this for approval 
when there is a clear recent statement from a planning inspector concerning this site which says no proposed landscaping or biodiversity measures could be sufficient to provide greater opportunities for biodiversity than the site in its current undeveloped form. As the development would cause harm to the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside, it would not constitute sustainable development or appropriate development in this countryside location. <clears throat> Further, it appears that there has been an overlooking of the statement by the inspector that the economic and social benefit of the support to local services and contributions to the housing supply created by this development would not outweigh the harm to the countryside that would be caused by the loss of green and open site and the introduction of the inappropriate form of development. We respectfully ask that members give due consideration to the statements and findings made by the planning inspector last year when the appeal was dismissed for a development of a similar build and density to the one which is being applied for now and accordingly refuse this application. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much. And now we have the um, agent, Bill Bampton. Five minutes? Nine. Mr. Bampton, I'm told you have nine minutes. You'll be pleased to know that I shan't use them all. Um, Madam Chair, Committee, um, I first need to mention that some of the comments made by the residents earlier, um, I don't recognise any of the statements that were made that I supposedly said, and also the metre from the boundary is wildly inaccurate. Um, This site benefits from an extent planning consent for two dwellings which were granted in May 2017 unanimously by this committee after a site visit. And I think the principal issue here today is whether the proposals before you are in scale and proportion for the site and the surrounding dwellings. Um, I will digress briefly to go to the comments about the, the appeal. Um, the two fundamental things in the appeal, I think you'll find were the height of the buildings and particularly the distance that the garage is extended into the site, neither of which apply to this application. Now, if I could draw your attention to the street scene and site plan, unfortunately, with the light on the screen, it's not coming out very well. I may have to ask Nigel um, to point to it. But if you, if you start right at the top uh, of the plan being shown at the moment with site layout, and you look in the top right-hand corner, of, of the, yeah, right up higher, if you don't mind, Nigel, then right, right the way across to the right, that's it. That, that's basically the existing dwelling known as Hazel's, um, which is obviously the property to the right, and then you've got the um, cottage-style um, one-and-a-half-storey proposed and the bungalow to the left, and then the fourth property in is you know, very much a bungalow. And if you were to draw a line between the ridge lines, between the bungalow on the left and the two-storey stroke, one-and-a-half on the right, yeah, the proposals are below that. If you then refer um, to the main drawing, again, I apologise, it's rather faint, but the extreme right-hand property 
is Hazel's with all its paraphernalia and outbuildings. Um, I'd like you just to take in the sheer bulk um, and scale of the development. And then if you go to the other side of the site, um, the bungalow there, although it looks quite modest from the front, has a, a huge um, footprint. So you know, I would contend that they are very much in scale and proportion um, with the um, surrounding properties. I'd also like to point out that they both sit in approximately 0.7 of an acre. So I think it, it, you know, it, it would be much to claim its overdevelopment of the site. And as I say, I think it's totally in scale and proportion. Um, other than saying I think you know, the officer has summed up the policy very well, um, I'm hopeful that the committee will agree and grant approval so that the development can proceed without delay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Bumpton. Um, well, I'll open it up to members. Uh, have I got any speakers? Uh, Councillor Lemon, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um, I know I'm new to the um, planning committee, but I've got a problem with development limits. Um, there's been a mention that this site is outside development limits. But do we have development limits? Do they not mean anything? Or can you actually go over the development limit when and if people want to? I'd like that explained to me. Please. Yes, there are um, reasons why you can, but I'll let, Council, uh, I'll let Mr Brown answer that. Thank you. In terms of the 2005 local plan, which obviously defines the development limits, um, there was a compatibility study with the MPPF and that particular bit was seen to be not really compatible with the MPPF because it's out of date because having development limits is actually restricting development and, all the, and that counts as sort of the housing supply uh, policies that we have forward and which is the limits. So the limits are more or less, they're not out of order but they, they, they are slightly, we can't hang too much hats on development limits. Um, although it can't be argued this site is open countryside, this site is open countryside, and so it goes back down to the impact on the countryside. On this particular site, permission has already been granted for two houses on the particular site, so the, 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 you know, the development limit issue on this particular site has gone, and it's down to just in, its impact, which is an important issue, and that's for the judgment today. But development limits aren't as sacrosanct as they have been in the past. Yes, Councillor Lemon. Again, on that, are, is this development limits very similar to um, out, uh, a village envelope outside a village envelope? Is that the same thing? Yes, because it is. I mean, if it, it is, certainly <laughs> where I am, we've had several planning applications turned down because it's been outside the um, village envelope. That has been a situation in the past in terms of proving sites simply because they're outside the development limits. And that might be where we will be once we get an adopted local plan. But at the moment, the development limits are out of date in terms of restriction. Clavering is slightly different as well in that you have the character of, of Clavering is, is, is developments with large gaps in between. So therefore, it's the filling in the gap. So it's, I, think, I don't think you should be preoccupied too much with the development limit issue. It's more about the character of the area and the impact that development will have on it. Yeah, please do. I, you know, I don't know a lot about it. We, we had a planning application a couple of years ago, and that went to appeal. And the appeal said, no, you can't have it because it's outside the development envelope. So they're 
that it does mean something that these limits are there if that particular inspector has turned down the planning permission for it. Depends in time and when that was, to be honest. Mr Brown, does the lack of a five-year land supply have any effect on that either? It has a little bit of an effect, but in reality, the contribution of two dwellings, um, it's a windfall site at the end of the day. So, therefore, windfall site is already covered in terms of, and in terms of our assumptions in terms of land supply, the, windfall, the contribution from windfall sites has increased. I think it's now 70 per year is what, what, what we're assuming, which I would argue may be understretching it, but at the end of the day, it's assuming that 70 dwellings will be assumed under windfall sites. And this is a windfall site in terms of it. And that's not meant in a bad way. That's simple sites that aren't allocated, individual ones and twos here and there are windfall sites, and they are already counted in the land supply issue. So the answer to that is it probably doesn't really contribute to the big five-year land supply issue. And it's Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Madam Chairman, could, could I go back to... Well, if you look at the top of the, what you've got uh, up there now, um, I know this road very well, obviously. Um, if you look at the, the, the two buildings, the two new proposed buildings there, Mr Brown, yeah. the second one from the right, that one, yeah. how much taller is that one than the second one from the left, the bungalow? Probably haven't got it that exact dimension. Because I think that's quite important. Sure, Mrs. Denmark will have an idea. Help um, that plan on the system. That elevation does have the line that the applicant referred to shown on it, but it's not clear on that uh, slide. Sorry to be awkward, Madam no, Chairman. But no, I... you've hit on the exact reasons what we should the main issue, to be honest. <laughs> it's about one and a half metres taller. Four foot Sorry. six. Sorry, Mrs. Denmark, would you mind speaking into the mic because the public can't hear us? It's about one and a half metres taller. Four foot six. Sorry, I'll put my. Sorry, Madam Chairman. Four foot six. Can I just give a health check to that? I'm not saying well, that is based upon the street scene sign. I'm not saying there's any inaccuracies on that, but it's based upon not, obviously not a pro. But that's. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I think uh, Mr. Brown's already highlighted the fact that permission does exist for two dwellings on this site. The only thing that we should be concerned about, I think, is the um, appearance and the effect of the properties proposed. Clearly looking at the um, elevation, the street scene, there is ample space from the boundary to the properties. It does not infill the space completely. Um, the line that I refer to, is, I've got it on the system here, um, from the ridge of Hazels down to the ridge of Green Gables, clearly there is only one tiny minute corner of 
the V of plot 2 that infringes that line. I, I see no problem with this given the fact that permission does exist and I would propose that we accept the uh, officer's recommendation for approval. Does that find a seconder? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. So I'll go to the vote. All those in favour of approval, please show. That's unanimous. Oh, no. Councillor Lemon, uh, are you against or sustaining? Okay. Well, that has passed. That is, that's passed. Would somebody like to get Councillor Lodge back, please? Sorry, Councillor Chambers, you want to like to say something. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Madam Chairman, it's a Mickey Mouse thing, but a very, very important thing. When the officers write out a report, please could they make sure on their facts, we are not a borough council, we are a district council. Ooh. And God forbid we will Ooh. always remain Ooh. a district council. Mr McAvoy is new. That is new. definitely ten black marks. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McAvoy is new, and I think it's a uh, genuine mistake. That is no excuse, Madam Chairman. Oh, I I'm think sure we can he's excuse him. The point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, Mr. McAvoy, would you like to take us through UTT 172075FUL? And that's in burden. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Um, the application that is before committee today is a revised scheme for one that was um, approved by officers on the 17th of October 2016. Um, I have it, um, the original approval in, um, behind me here. Um, as you can see, it is for an electricity storage system um, to store um, surplus energy from renewable um, energy schemes, uh, surplus electricity, I should say. Um, following a technical audit, as they have described it, the applicants have come up with a slightly revised scheme 
oops, I can find it, there it is, here, and they have provided more details regarding landscaping, um, sustainable drainage, and also um, noise attenuation schemes. Um, the site itself is approximately 75 metres um, north of Pelham substation. The nearest uh, dwelling is to the west, approximately 75 to 90 metres away, Crabs Green Farm. Um, as you can see um, from the original one, um, the actual site area for the electricity storage is smaller. Um, there has been considerable more landscaping and also um, more um, provision for sustainable drainage. Um, following consultations with um, the SUDS team at Essex County Council, um, our own district council's um, landscape officer, and uh, also the highways team, um, they are actually satisfied now that the, the applicant has made sufficient progress to address the conditions on the original um, permission. Um, essentially, you're going to have a three metre wide landscaping uh, border uh, made from traditional um, choices of hedgerows um, such as maple, hawthorn, oh, hawthorn and hazel. Um, there are going to be some trees uh, scattered around as well. Um, again, these are going to be things like maple, alder, oak and lime. Um, to the um, southeast of the site, I don't know if you can just vaguely make it out, there's some sort of green dots, that would be a wildlife meadow, that's roughly going to be about 650 square metres in area. Um, you might just also be able to make out some thin purple lines, um, if I can get it, there's one there, there, there and there, these are going to be noise attenuation boards. Um, these would be around about four metres in height, but they would be at least several metres inside the site. Um, the recommendation, therefore, would be to approve the proposal um, as um, the original uh, concerns have now been addressed by the applicant. No, we don't have any speakers on this. Oh, sorry, before I open it up to members, I ought to say um, that Burden Parish Council, who were very concerned about this and uh, asked for it to be called in in the public interest, most of their concerns were about landscaping and noise, um, but they sent an email uh, saying that they would be happy for the application to be withdrawn, but it was too far along the system. Um, but they want to thank all concerned for working with them on this. Uh, but I, I would like to ask something because they did ask that a condition for a five-year maintenance uh, be put on this. Is it possible to do that? Um, because I know they were very worried that this could all fall into disrepair. So could that be a condition, please? Uh, yes, I have recommended that to be placed on the permission. A five, yes, a five-year supply. Uh, sorry, a five-year All right, so I didn't see option. that. Okay, that's no, that's a problem. Uh, Burden will be very pleased about that because they will be keeping their eye out. Thank you. Right, now, uh, Councillor, I've got two councillors. Councillor Ranger first and then Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, without further ado, um, this has only come to us because it was called in and late in the day. Um, I believe so. I've got no hesitation in proposing we accept the officer's recommendation for approval. The condition three covers the five-year period. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. 
Uh, that's covered off most of my points, actually, Chairman. I think uh, it's interesting. It's almost ten times bigger than any other in the country of one of these storage facilities. You're going to see an awful lot more of these, so I guess it's wise to get used to them, and uh, they don't eat anything. So I think it's a, a, a very good scheme. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Chambers? <coughs> Just to second the motion, Madam Chairman. Sorry, was that a second? Did you, were you, oh, sorry, I think that he meant to do that. So who proposed that? Was Councillor Ranger? Uh, and Councillor Freeman seconded it. So can I have a show of hands, please? Well, that's unanimous. Thank you very much. And now we go on to UTT 17-2179HHF, and that's in Linsall. And uh, Mr. Trevilian was going to take us through this, but now it's, um, yeah, it's Karen. Whose name is this? <coughs> Mrs. Denmark, thank you. Thank you. This um, application relates to um, a property in Linsall and it relates to the erection of a substantial single storey extension. Um, the extension would be 10.368 metres in depth and 7.162 metres in width. Um, the overall extension would have 78 square metres um, of floor space. <coughs> And bearing in mind that the existing house as a whole has 76 square metres of um, floor space. It would be constructed um, along the boundary of uh, number four. And um, due to the depth and the extent of the proposal, the um, proposed extension would have an unacceptable impact on the neighbouring property. So therefore, due to the reasons of scale um, being out of proportion with the original dwelling and due to the adverse impacts on the neighbouring property, it is recommended that the application be refused as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mrs Denmark. Now we have a Sally Weston. Uh, who is supporting this application. My name is Sally Weston. I'm an occupational therapist and I work for Essex Social Care. Um, my role in this application is um, my role as an occupational therapist in the first instance is to enable an individual to be as independent as possible despite the limitation of their disability. And, to, and in this, it was to assist Amanda and Paul's existing... As to, um, sorry. Um, Amanda and Paul's existing property isn't suitable for a wheelchair user due to a lack of space and with the bathroom and bedroom facilities being upstairs. And Amanda, being a permanent wheelchair user, she's unable to access these. Um, over the period of time that I've known Amanda, we've looked at different options for her to enable her to return to an environment where she can manage as a mother and a, and a wife and to be independent as possible in all her own personal care, um, etc., as any other individual would like to be. Um, as you can see... Um, 
Yeah, that's it. On the um, existing ground floor and first floor, um, just to explain very quickly that the property itself isn't um, suitable for a wheelchair user because of the lack of space. Um, the kitchen is very small. It's difficult for Amanda to get in there with the wheelchair and that she, she's unable to prepare any meals. The top floor is inaccessible to her because being a permanent wheelchair user, she's unable to get up the stairs without being lifted or assisted by her husband. We've considered um, different options, which I'll go through in a minute for this. Um, the bedroom and the bathrooms, ba the bedrooms and the bathroom are also inaccessible for her as a wheelchair user. So basically, the options that we have been considering over the last few months to resolve these difficulties was firstly to look at ground floor adaptation to the house but this would um, include, this started off um, as a bedroom and bathroom facilities for Amanda and her husband, um, but this would deny her the ability to manage as a mother and to supervise her children and have the role of a mother because she would be able to go upstairs and um, assist her children to bed or assist them to have a bath. We looked at facilitating access to the upstairs um, in the way of a stair lift, but we decided that that wasn't an appropriate long-term solution. There was also a lack of space upstairs for the wheelchair at the top of the stairs, and it would still mean adapting the um, layout upstairs in a quite an extensive way to improve the wheelchair accessible space. Again, a through-floor lift was another option, which is more of a suitable um, solution for generally for a wheelchair user but we found that that wasn't suitable either, again, for the lack of space upstairs. We've looked at um, rehousing, but due to the lack of finances, as Paul is no longer working, there's no way that they are able to sell up and purchase a more suitable property. We've looked at... Um, Sorry, Mrs Weston, may I ask you to... Yeah, very say, quickly. Um, no, no, that's fine. Carry okay. on, but you, you only get three minutes. You see, we've so. liaised with um, Uttlesford District Council to look at other properties that they might have available, and at the present, um, Judith Snares has advised us that they don't have anything that's suitable. There's nothing available under the Housing Association or the Shared Ownership Schemes. Um, the family have said that they would like to stay in the area. They, they um, get on very well with their neighbours. They would prefer to stay in Linzel and in the existing property. The adaptation is to enable Amanda and Paul to have a room together, to have their children on the same floor so that Amanda can um, see to them when they need her and not rely totally on Paul, and for her to have bathroom, bedroom, uh, bathroom facilities in which she can actually also enable them to have a bath. Thank you very much. Now... We have Amazie, Amazie, I'm sure you are very amazing. It's Am Amanda Maisie Young to speak, please. Um, hello, my name is Amanda and I'm here today to give a brief supporting statement to the planning application of Free White Gates in Linzel. I'm 36 years old and I'm a mother of two beautiful children aged three and a half and five years old. I own three white gates along with my husband and we have lived there since 2007, so 10 years this year. Unfortunately, on January the 20th, um, 2016, I woke unwell and later that morning I lost the ability to move my legs. 
I have many health conditions including a connective tissue disorder, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, gastroparesis, bladder failure and chronic pain. After losing the movement in my legs in 2016, I was placed in hospital for over six months away from my husband and children, unable to return home due to being now wheelchair bound. I've completely lost the ability and my identity since this happened and I've lost my role as a mother and a wife and from that day I've lost my home due to this obviously being stairs, small doorways and small rooms and this has had a significant impact on us all. We are in very much need of a wet room, wider doorways and an adapted kitchen, ramps and bedrooms that I can access. I want to become Amanda again but more importantly the mother and wife that I dreamt of being but without this extension to our home I simply cannot be. My husband and I had a dream of country living and a good community and in 2007 we found that in Linzel and Free Whitegates and we quickly found out that the village and everyone in it are just wonderful and they became our friends. The community is tight and I feel safe there and cared for and the village have even completed some fundraising for us which has just been incredible. We decided that Free Whitegates was our future, a forever future and we got married in 2011 and had our children in 2012 and 2014. We knew Linzel was the right place to bring up our children and as they grew they showed as much love for it as we have. Unfortunately, none of us knew that in 2016 our lives would be flipped upside down and that we would be forced into temporary accommodation where we are barely surviving or living. I cannot stress enough about how much we wish to return home back to Free White Gates and back to Linzel, but to be able to return this extension and the adaptations are needed so that I can fully support my family once again. I want to be able to care for and look after my children and my husband, and hence why we so need this planning application to be approved. Thank you. Thank you, and um, we have a Mr Paul Young, you would like to speak. Good afternoon. My name is Paul, I'm Amanda's uh, husband, and we currently own uh, Free White Gates. I'm here to support this planning application. Since January 2016, Amanda has lost the ability to move her legs and and I care for our two children, which has been extremely difficult, especially when Amanda was in hospital for six months. The impact on the children has been horrendous and we lived for over six months without her. We have been working with social services, physiotherapists, occupational therapists and lately the hub of independent practitioners to find the best solution for us to be able to return us all back home and eventually the plans you see are best to date for us as an entire family. But more importantly, the best for Amanda's needs and for her future and allow her to care for her children again, hence why a wet room with a bathroom is needed and two bedrooms downstairs. Amanda is unable to weight bear at all and therefore <coughs> she cannot negotiate any stairs. Because of the temporary accommodation not being equipped, I now care for Amanda and my two children full time. I've lost my job. I worked 35 years for London Borough Bark and Dagenham Council. Uh, my option was either to leave and care or be, uh, I would have been sacked through the sickness policy. Amanda has many, many medical needs, as also our daughter has since birth. She has had bowel problems, is hypermobile, and possibly also has Hellas Danlos syndrome, hence why such an extension is required, fracturing in maybe her needs as she gets older. We need the extension to accommodate a bedroom that Amanda can access a wet room, that Amanda can independently use, and 
also independently used in helping and caring for the children adapted kitchen equipment such as always standing frames and enough room to move about safely in a wheelchair. Come January 2018, the discussion of our housing issue would have been ongoing for two years and the impact it's having on us as a family significantly, we are all undergoing counselling, even the children. This extension will make a big difference to our lives and we can return home to some sort of, and I can return to some sort of local work and can support my family and be a dad again. The children can be stable and secure again and with their mother and a man that can return to being a wife and a mother again and independent. The children attend Stebbing School Primary and have developed close relationship with their peers and their teachers which always ascertain our stay in Lindsay. Amanda has a lot of care and needs but I know if I return to work once the adaptions are complete Amanda will be well looked after by our neighbours and our wonderful community in Lindsay. And just to finalise, I do apologise that there was no supporting evidence or statements attached to this application. It was a bit confusing why that wasn't, so I do apologise for that. <coughs> we have lots of supporting application. Um, and there's a couple of uh, documents I just would like the councillors to be aware of. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Young. I must ask you: Would you mind being quick because you're actually yeah, yeah, no, over some, your time? But I will a, allow a you document, to. It's delivering housing adaptions for disabled people. It's a, a detailed guide to le- legislation, guidance, and good practice for social adult services and, and local authorities. The opening statement is: A suitable, well-adapted home can be defining factor in enabling a disabled person to live well and independently. At a time of financial constraints and policy charge, delivering help with home adaptions is the most efficient and effective ways of making best use of the scarce resources is more important than ever. Thank you. The introduction statement... Sorry, Mr. I'm sorry, I don't don't want to cut you off. I really do need to say this part. The action outlines the purpose of Good Practice Guide, which is to provide local authorities and partner agents with information about how to provide an excellent service to disabled people, their families and their carers, in enabling adaptions to their homes to help them live more independently. Mr Young, I'm sorry. Mr Young, Mr. Young, we do understand. We have listened to you, and we do, we do understand, I promise you, and I think we've Thank given you. you a very good time. Thank you very much. Right, Councillor Davey, I believe you wanted to say... Uh, yes, I, I'd like to uh, propose approval. Okay, and we have um, um, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, uh, Councillor. I thought I did catch your eye first on this, but let's not quarrel over that. So sorry, um, I didn't. Anyway, the point is, uh, can we see the elevations, please, uh, for this property? Yeah. Now, the proposed side elevation in Saffron Ward, in the town where I live, we have any number of applications with um, side um, extensions of exactly that sort and they have no problem at all. They're usually recommended for approval and if height's a problem then you can go into devices like flat roofs and uh, um, green roofs. There's lots of design features if height is an issue. So first of all, Chairman, I'm not... I I find it um, unaccountable as to why this has been recommended for refusal Because as I say, in the town where I live and with the planning committee which I sit on, 
applications of this sort are perfectly normal all the time, all the time. And then if we look at the plan, please, for the property, you have a plan on your computer. Thank you. That's fine. Uh, although it's not in colour, uh, you'll see that the actual size of the site, the length of the site, is considerable. It's any amount of length in the site. So I find it surprising that it's been turned down, uh, recommended for refusal. I'd like an explanation of that. Uh, because I can show you plenty of properties where a very similar extension has been approved even without coming before committee. But from my point of view, I see no reasons at all why we shouldn't uh, approve this. Uh, houses nowadays are very inadequate for people of limited mobility. Any of us, anybody in this room could find themselves of limited mobility for no fault of their own, through an accident or illness or whatever. And the adaptation of a house for this purpose seems to me to be an extremely sound use of a house. And there is a great paucity, there's a great shortage of suitable houses, properties for people of limited mobility. So I will certainly be supporting this, and I'd be very happy to second the motion if it hasn't already been seconded. Thank you. I think Mr Brown would like to say something. Yeah, sometimes I absolutely hate my job, and I think Karen's exactly the same with me today. Um, a lot of what we've just heard is all news to us, which is extremely disappointing to me that um, other parts of the Council have not mentioned this to us until an application has just received, and I want to put that on public record. So it is really unacceptable for both the planning team and, and the people around this table to be put in this position. However, there is a serious issue regarding this extension. There is a serious issue, and I disagree with Councillor Freeman. This application, it, you know, we, you're going to hear the usual... There are serious personal circumstances in this position, but that very rarely outweighs planning considerations. Long after the personal circumstances that are sitting here, and hopefully that will be in 50 years' time when the personal circumstances have gone, um, the extension will still remain. We do have objections from two adjoining neighbours on this particular property in terms of the impact on the proposal. Um, they're not here to speak, and I'm not going to speak on their behalf. I would suggest if members are seriously suggesting recommending approval for this, they need to see it on site and then they can make their judgment because I would be asking you to give me reasons why you're going to be approving this against officer recommendation. And if you've seen it on site and you think the relationship is fine, um, then, then you can make that valid decision. In the meantime, we will also have a discussion with our colleagues in environmental health because something has gone awry here whereby this should not have come for the first time into a public meeting regarding this application. Um, and then if there's anything else we can do on the aside from all this. So I would recommend if members are mindful to approve this, that you defer it to have a look at it first. Do we go for deferral before we, or do we let everybody speak to I'm just putting it out there. Okay, well, Councillor Hicks wanted to speak and then Councillor Ranger, and then I'd like to say something. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, one can't help but have huge sympathy for the family involved and for that range of horrible range of problems that they have to um, try to cope with. However, um, as a planning authority, I don't think we can ignore. The, uh, right, the normal rights of the neighbouring uh, dwelling to um, light and 
no overlooking, all the normal criteria that we uh, use to judge applications of this kind. And I think um, uh, to, to suggest that because of these particular special circumstances you can just wash out all normal uh, uh, regulations is the wrong word, all the, all the conventions and the rules that we operate by, I, I don't think that works at all. I don't, and I don't feel I could support the application as it stands. If the neighbours, if the adjoining neighbours signified their willingness to uh, uh, accept this, the size of this dwelling adjacent to theirs, then um, I would feel differently, obviously. But uh, um, with the neighbours, as uh, Mr Brown has just stated, have, have registered their objection, then I think we have to take that into account and we, uh, um, we can't automatically give it our approval. I'm sorry. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I have a family history of um, severe disability um, with my father, so I'm aware, only too aware of the problems that arise. Um, something that Mr Young said, um, he did say the proposal is the best for Amanda, but he also said it's the best to date, and that's my gut feeling, that I know this adaption or an adaption of this size is required, but I don't think that the plan that we're looking at is the best one for the purpose. Um, there is another answer. Um, in my working life, I've designed uh, new fully inclusive housing. I've adapted existing housing to do that. Um, I'm going to suggest that uh, we defer this um, application for a site visit to see the impact of this proposal. That month deferral will give the applicant hopefully time to talk to the specialists, um, to look at other options, and I'm perfectly willing to give my time into that process um, if it can help. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just a minute, please, Councillor. Well, I, I can honestly say, uh, in all my years on this committee, I've never been so moved by any application. In fact, it drove me to tears. And I, I, I do have every sympathy. But putting my professional hat on if you like I think we need to go and see this uh, if only to give everybody a fair chance um, because you know whilst we have every sympathy with the applicant and I certainly do and I know that all you do because I can see your faces uh, I think it's only fair to the neighbours as well that we give them an equal chance and go and have a look so um, I, if everybody's in agreement um, you know I'd, I'd I'll second that to Councillor Rangers. Uh, Councillor Freeman, yes, what would you like to say? Well, I need some guidance on this, and I think we all do, because as I've pointed out, it seems to have been dismissed. I see applications of this sort every two weeks when we meet. And point of order, that, Chairman. Sorry, that is just, that point is of order, just you not have true. a deferment proposal and a seconder. You should go to the deferment. Okay, sorry, I'll, I'll. Do we need to have Councillor Davies' consent to do that? Councillor Davy, how would you feel about that if we go and have a look? 
Appoint a board of chairmen. Sorry, I might not be wording this very well. It's not had this happen before, so I'm not really sure no, but you how have to deal with this. A proposal for deferment, which you seconded, so you have to. Sorry, well, well, to well, the rules, everybody's talking at me at once. Hang on a minute, I'm going to ask the legal officer so we will know where we stand. Thank you. Uh, yes, Madam Chair, the position is that we first of all had a proposal and a seconder, and then we had a proposal for an amendment, namely the deferral, which was seconded. We therefore have to deal with the proposal for the amendment, that is the deferral, first. Am I allowed to speak? No. 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 Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. We, that's past uh, six. We will go to deferral and we will go and have a look at the site, which I actually believe is probably the fairest for everybody. Thank you. Well, hang on, Councillor Chambers wants to say something. Just a bit say, late, Madam but Chairman, I'll let you I, come in. I do know most of the sites in Uttlesford and I do know Whitegates in Lindsall, but I will be there too. Well, we'd be very grateful and be delighted to have your presence, <coughs> Councillor Chambers. Madam Chairman, this is, this, this is slightly informal, but I'm speaking through the microphone. I, I'd just like to say that I felt extremely sorry for Mrs Denmark and Mr Brown not knowing the, the entire circumstances, and I think it's most unfortunate, and I'd like it to be put on record, that our grateful thanks to Mr Brown uh, for taking it like that, because this is an extremely difficult decision to have to make, even for a deferral. Thank you, Mr. Brown. I think we all echo those sentiments. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. I'm going to uh, have a five-minute break now. I think we all need one after that. So if you'd like to go and do whatever you do in five minutes, we'll come back then.
Right, is everybody here? Okay. So now we have, hang on, let me find it now. We have UTT 17-2120FUL, and that is Stansted. And uh, is it Mr. Brown is going to take us through this? Thank you, Chairman. Um, members will recall this application. This is an application that was approved for residential development some months back. Um, now, one of the conditions that was attached to the planning application was condition 10, which was, requ was a requirement for CCTV system to be submitted. Um, the applicant has requested that that condition be removed, and because it was a condition on an application imposed by this committee, it has to come back to this committee. Um, there are two reasons why the applicant has requested that condition 10 be removed for CCTV. First of all, uh, the applicants of the view and I think officers tend to agree with them, that there may be the, 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 the need for a CCTV scheme for what is very, very small residential development with some commercial uh, site on the site was a little bit over the top. And so, therefore, that part of the element is generally supportive. And secondly, the wording of the condition, um, I would argue, well, it doesn't need to be argued, isn't actually fit for purpose. Um, it actually says, before development commences, details of a proposed external lighting system, CCTV, fencing and security measures, including those for the proposed pedestrian footpath between the development site and Crafton Green car park to reduce the potential for crime and has been submitted and approved by the local planning authority for stop. Technically speaking, you can put in the mother of all lighting schemes, um, but the condition doesn't actually require you to do anything. It doesn't have to implement it. It should have had a line saying and should be carried out in accordance with the approved details. Now, to preempt what any member may say, well, can't you just put that line on there then? You can't really. If someone actually requests for a condition to be removed, you either say, no, you can't remove it, or you say, you can't turn around and say, oh, well, let's make it more onerous. And so I think the argument, so the, first of all, the condition isn't fit for purpose, but going back to the first discussion, in retrospect, it's probably considered completely over the top to request a complete CCTV scheme for this particular application. And so the officer's request is to adhere to, those, to, to the request to remove that condition. And members' view is just to say nay or yay, to be frank. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Um, Councillor Ranger, you would like to say something? Nay. That's what I say. What did you say? Nay. Mr. Brown said we say yay or nay, and I say <laughs> nay. We keep that condition. Um, we, it goes right back to the fundamental. We, we approved an application where that was a condition and, and we thought it meant that people could come and go safely from Cambridge Road into the houses or visiting the uh, commercial premises or going into Crafton Green Car Park feeling slightly more secure than they would do in the dark. So therefore, um, my immediate reaction is, no, that condition has got to stay. Thank you. Mr Brown, could I ask you to come back? It, it, could we alter that condition at this meeting or, it, you know, to word it better so that, that it's stronger or safer, if you like? Um, I think if you did that, then the, um, you're opening up a position whereby we could, we could add that in, in accordance with the approved plans. Then the app, that reopens the applicant's chance to appeal against that condition. And so that, that, that gift is yours. Um, I would certainly suggest you either remove it or take that chance, to be quite frank, because I, I, would, I, really, wouldn't, I really wouldn't want the condition to remain in its current form, um, because in its current form it's worthless because 
the condition could be submitted. So, um, so the choice is either to remove it or to add that extra clause. I would seriously suggest removing it because I still think, in officers' opinion, it's, it's, it's potentially over the top. But if members are mindful to keep it, then you can add that extra line to actually say and be carried out in accordance with the approved plan. And I think we would potentially then be faced with an appeal. But that's where we are. It's a simple one, to be frank. Okay, thank you. Um, Councillor Freeman and then Councillor... Oh, goodness, Fairhurst. Oh, my brain went dead there for a minute. Sorry, Councillor Fairhurst. Okay, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I'm less concerned about the value of CCTV. I've had a lot to do with it over the years, and uh, uh, sometimes it works, and most of the time it doesn't very well. But I am concerned that I, I thought we were moving, Madam Chairman, towards a situation where we have more input to Section 106 agreements so that the members could actually get to see them before they were sealed. And if that had happened, clearly it hadn't happened here, uh, then you know, members aren't completely stupid and we would perhaps spot inconsistencies in the arguments or sort of faults in the Queen's English or whatever, you know. Uh, have we moved? Have we moved any closer to having the local uh, councillors or whatever having visibility of these things before they're sealed, or are they still done behind closed doors, as has always been the case in the past? Can I, can I, just, can I just clarify? This has absolutely nothing to do with a Section 106 agreement. There is no Section 106 agreement on this particular application whatsoever. This is a variation of a Condition 10 that I would add... We've all made this mistake, because it was, a, it was a, the condition that was put on the recommended application that came in front of you. So it was in front of you and it was in front of us and we missed the point that that particular, that particular wording wasn't missed. So we've all seen it in black and white and we all, it would pass us all by. So, you know, although it's offices that put the wrong condition on there, it was the one that members actually put their hands up when they approved it. So, but it's not a 106 and the 106 discussion is for another place because we are involving more, but that's for another place. Thank you. And I had Councillor Fairhurst and then Councillor Chambers. Yes, Madam Chairman. Um, my, I think I'm afraid I must, must concur with, with, with uh, Councillor Range about the, uh, the uh, um, condition itself. Um, granted, the condition itself is somewhat toothless because it does tend to be a little bit generous, but I would suggest that if we rectified it, um, the sense of the, of the, and the purpose of it in the first place would, would be upheld in some kind of appeal. So I would probably take the risk and, and rectify it in such a way that makes it more permanent. But I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't really simply remove it. We'd certainly considered this, and it was an issue about the safety of, of people going to their houses, and I think it's worth considering. Thank you. I think that's uh, you're seconding the, the Councillor Ranger's proposal, but Councillor Chambers would like to speak. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Madam Chairman, I, I've, there's been a long history with this, as you well know. You live in Stansted, so. Uh, and I think we were very particular about the, the CCTV, and certainly I would uh, vote for it not being removed, um, as Councillor Ranger is suggesting, and Councillor Fairhurst. I help members here as well because I, I think I know where this one's going. Um, um, can I also make a suggestion because development has started on the site and, uh, so, and we do want this development to happen because it has been painful to say the least this particular site. So the development's coming out of the ground. Because we had an application to remove this condition, we haven't enforced this condition. Because, and there is an argument whether this condition should have been a prior to development condition anyway because it could have been. So as part of the rectification... Re <laughs> trying to retrieve the situation can I just say rather than say before development commences we can't say that now because development has commenced 
legitimately, I should add, can we also say prior to the occupation of any dwelling, and then at the end say, and carried out in accordance with the approved scheme. And then the, 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 the developer can then make his choice. <laughs> can I, does everybody agree with that? Uh, no, you asked me first, Chairman, the point of order. Um, as a proposer, I'm happy with that, provided we include and occupation of the commercial premises. Councillor Fairhurst? Yeah, any unit, any, any unit residential or commercial. Yeah. Right, well, that seems, uh, seems to be pleasing everybody. Uh, sorry, the mic's off. Can I have a vote to either approve or refuse? Uh, a vote to approve? We have a proposer and seconder. Oh, sorry, hang on a moment. Hang on a moment, it's all gone pear You have shaped. a proposal to, to reject sorry, the removal of the Sorry, we have a proposal to refuse the... Officer's recommendation, that's what I should say, not, not to refuse the... Oh dear, get me a cup of tea, someone. <laughs> Sorry, Madam Chairman. It's a vote to refuse the, re the removal, but to amend it in such a way as to bring it into line with the timing and, and complete it and rectification. Fine. Well, uh, Mr Brown, could you give us, um, you know, what we would actually say and that recommendation so we can vote on that because it's all getting a bit convoluted at the moment. I couldn't put it any better than what Councillor Fairhurst has just said, well, to be okay. honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so which means by trying to repeat it, I'll make it worse. Oh, um, well, I know so, it's all so going... It is, it is to reject the move to remove the condition, but to, uh, to vary the condition to read. And, and I'll actually read what it actually says. It says, prior to occupation of any unit, residential or commercial, details of a proposed external lighting scheme, CCTV, fencing and security measures, including those for the proposed pedestrian footpath between the development site and crafting car park to reduce the potential for crime, have been submitted to an approved in local planning authority and, those, and the scheme should be carried out in accordance with those approved details and we want a time on that one. Yeah, it'll be carried out in accordance with the approved scheme, but then we also need a time because, of course, by then, the pro you know, prior to the occupation of any unit, I think that's what we need to say. So they need yeah. to put it in and then some implement it before the. Okay, is everybody happy with that? Okay, so um, can we have a, a vote on that, please? All those in favour? That's unanimous. Right, now we have UTT 172167-FUL, and Mrs. Tohavas is going to take us through this. Mrs. Shoesmith. Mrs. Shoesmith. My goodness, she hasn't been Tohavas for years. Oh, you haven't got divorced, have you? <laughs> In the absence of Luke Mills. <laughs> Madam Chairman, could, could I have a point of order before we start, please? Okay. Thank you. Uh, and it's because I'm somewhat confused. Uh, members may remember last year there was an application by the father-in-law of an R4U member for the conversion, uh, well it was various applications, but for the use of premises in Saffron Walden, uh, to, which are now operating as a Domino's Pizza. Um, I was advised that because of the relationship between one of the members of our party 
and the applicant, I was advised and we were advised in this meeting by the monitoring officer that all R4U members had to withdraw. Could I ask our legal representative how this now differs? The difference is that that application was made by a family member as distinct from a councillor who is just a political colleague and in the case of councillor chambers the other member for a two-member ward the familial relationship is the differing issue sorry i believe there's a bit of confusion it was this in this case there was a family member of a member of the same party not a, not a, not a sitting committee member so it wasn't, it wasn't as remote, in fact, it was less remote. Sorry, this is an amendment because it has actually come before this committee before uh, as an entirety. And nobody withdrew. Um, and this is just an amendment to that application. Sorry, I understand. I think it's a question of consistency, nothing more. There is also case law in this area involving a case involving, I believe the name of the applicant was, Harrogate, was Atkinson and the local authority involved was Harrogate Borough. In that case, it was acceptable for members to adjudicate upon the applications of political colleagues, but if the relationship between them was familial or closer, in that particular case, uh, the persons involved carpooled, then that made it prejudicial. Sorry, I, just to clarify, I think the issue is that it was put, on, on the basis of these terms and circumstances, it was probably wrong for us to be asked to remove ourselves last year. Mm. There was no familiar or any closer relationship than we have in this case, it was lesser. I think with the benefit of hindsight, that's probably correct. But certainly, as as the chair has said, this is an application for an amendment to an application that's already been granted. Okay, well, I will have to be very careful in the future and make sure that if there is any, um, anything that we don't, you know, if any of you can spot anything that you don't think is uh, right, then uh, it should be mentioned um, because obviously we're not lawyers, so, and Elizabeth is, and I know that you are Councillor Fairhurst, so, um, you know, I will promise we'll keep our eye out in the future and uh, can only apologise uh, for that. Okay, just thank you. To clarify, the situation today is correct and, and I think that's the issue and I'm, you know, the, yeah. there may have been discussions earlier but the situation today is it's correct, correct. Yeah. that Councillor Chambers was rightly advised. Okay, well I'll get it right this time. Mrs Shoesmith. Thank you. Thank you. Right, the application uh, before us is a proposal, um, it represents an alternative de design for plot one, um, which uh, the original application was for two dwellings, which was approved back in February. Members' attention is drawn to the supplementary representation, which includes uh, representations, um, late representations that have been made. In terms of the scheme, um, this was the plot one approved scheme, uh, which said was approved back in February. Um, attention is drawn to the rear elevation. Um, 
what is proposed as part of this scheme is that um, the the terracing at the top will be reduced in size. You can see a side elevation of that here. And sliding um, doors will be inserted within the centre there. This is the elevation of what it would look like. As you can see, the um, glass terracing has been reduced in depth um, and um, by appearances width as well and sliding doors are being proposed. There is um, an increase in the dwelling's height by 50 centimetres approximately. Also as part of the application, um, this, were, this was the um, elevation of the approved uh, carport. Um, say that was the original approved scheme. As part of this application, it's proposed that the garage would be um, a roof would be inserted on part of the uh, carport so this would be the side on elevation so that you'll still remain with a flat roof element and this um, part of the garage will be roofed to create um, storage uh, facility there. Um, the total height um, of um, the um, carport garage uh, would be approximately 4.8 metres in height. The consultation comments have been outlined within the report on page 75. Um, it's acknowledged that whilst the visual impact would be greater in respect of the garage amendments, the building would remain proportionate to the approved dwelling and compatible in terms of its design. No impact has been concluded with regards to the amendments upon the character and appearance of the conservation area. There are no significant um, effect on the amenity of existing or future residents as well. As a result, the scheme has been recommended for approval subject to the conditions listed on pages 77 to 79. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we don't have any speakers, um, so I'll open it up to members. Does anybody like to speak? No? Deafening silence? Did you put your hand up, Councillor Freeman? Oh, okay. Uh, others, uh, somebody else might come forward, but uh, in the absence of anybody else, <clears throat> I'm happy to take one for the team. Um, I, I just refer members to uh, page 75 of the Parish Council comments, and I'm aware that this particular settlement has many cross-currents underneath its surface, so uh, the Parish Council comments may represent a particular faction, I don't know, but just to read them out, sorry about this, progressive increase in size of this since its initial application, the original cart shed has become a garage, the flat roof has come pitched, and the first floor will be very visible from Jackson Lane. Jackson's Lane. We object to the increase in height, inappropriate choice of materials. Can we go back to the elevations, please? Uh, I think we should look at these inappropriate choice of materials. Uh, oh, yeah, good. And thank you. And increased visibility from the adjoining road and surrounding houses. And if we go back to the original application for this, sorry, I find it very hard not to laugh. Um, the original application, uh, it was on a piece of actually open land in the middle of the village. Uh, it's hedged around by trees, so there is a merit to it from that point of view. But if you can go back to the elevations again, please, because um, and the other ones, that's it, yes, ones, yeah, they are rather fine. And, and 
It reminds me of the MI5 building in London, actually. It's, it's got a lot of similarities, a lot of glass, you know. And it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, I'm sure, but not in the middle of a medieval village. I, I personally would refuse this application. That would be my guidance. My, my choice would be to refuse. It's just a tad too far on something which perhaps was quite a long way anyway. So is that a recommendation? I, I, what's, is, it, is it a proposal for... It's for approval. Yeah, I, I would recommend refusal. So Can you uh, give us some grounds for that? Would it be uh, on design? development. Inappropriate materials. Development in the countryside. Um, there's lots of others as well. Can we, you can't lose sight of the fact we've already approved a big chunk of this. And so uh, Maria's, Maria's run through the difference between the two. I think the fundamental difference between the two is the garage, isn't it? And so, therefore, it's the, the, no, the materials have already, it's already been approved. I don't know if the materials have been approved yet. Materials have been approved. So we are talking about differences to the fenestration details in, in the roof, um, as well as slight increase in height as a result of that. But there is substantial changes to the garage, and that is, the, that is the clear. So I think in terms of looking at this and going, oh, my God, you approved this. This was taken to, brought to this committee, and members approved this. So the... I would add, quite rightly so, because it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. So it has been approved, and so, but the one thing the members did not approve, hence why it's in front of you, is the garage, because uh, that's the differences between the two. I'm not asking you if you're going to refuse it, refuse it on that, but I find it very difficult for us to refuse the actual dwelling, bearing in mind what's already been approved on that particular site. It's almost identical. The garage bit has changed, and I think, that, I think that's put it in perspective. And may, may, members may have a problem, some members may have, still have a problem with the design, and it wasn't unanimous last time when it brought to this committee. But uh, um, I think you need to be concentrating on what the difference between what's been approved and what's been in front of you. Okay, Chairman, may I ask, are we allowed to so, refuse sorry, the garage? Can, and not sorry, the hang on a minute, Councillor. You can't be heard because... Sorry, Mr. Sorry. Brown. Sorry, well, Mr. Brown has explained that, but um, I think Councillor Fairhurst had asked to speak first, and then I'll let you come back. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I think the pictures um, perhaps are a little bit more extreme than the thing itself, um, because I find it hard to believe we'd accept this in the middle of the countryside. But looking at the, at the, the situation, the sight of it, it may well be that it's so well hidden um, and disguised that we looked at that in, in special nature. So my suggestion would be that we have a look at the site before we have to impose a decision on this. Well, sorry, I did say that Councillor Freeman could come back, and then I come to you, Councillor Hicks. Yeah, was that a proposal for a site visit? Well, I have to, and now I'm told I have to put that to the vote before we go any further. We need a second. Do I find a seconder for that? Councillor Lodge? Anybody else? No. Right, can I have a vote on a site visit, please? so we will have a site visit. Thank you. Right, we'll move on. UTT 17-2177, um, this is a listed building. In fact, it's this building um, and in Saffron Warden. And um, I'm told there's 
the case officer is Rosemary Clark, but I can't see anyone who looks like her here. So I think it's Mrs. Shoesmith again. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Uh, yes, the applications for this very building. Um, it's for listed building consent for the retention of two signs, a buzzer, com uh, buzzer stroke camera entry system and internal alterations, including installation of demountable partitioning. So if I just quickly explain. So the part of the building we're talking about is here, and we currently locate... Well, sorry, I'm, I'm indicating on the screen. Thinking. Right, so the part of the building that it involves is here, um, near the lodge car park. So internally, um, partitions um, form part of this application. So these have been installed and form part of the application. Um, located here. Um, this is one of the signs that are um, requested. That's on the front elevation of the building. It's located, as you can see, indicated here as you enter into the car park. Um, this is another, another sign. And to give you a bit of perspective, um, this is to the rear entry door and this is the size of the plaque that we're talking about, and the buzzer system here, located here. Um, as I said, um, due to the nature and size and location of the alterations and additions, uh, there is no objection from the conservation officer. The works are considered to be appropriate and would not harm the character or setting of the listed building, particularly the locality of the signs. As a result, unconditional approval is recommended. Thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. Councillor Chambers, you would like to speak. I propose approval, Madam Chairman. Um, Councillor Wells has seconded that. Do we have any speakers on that? Or shall we go straight to the vote? Okay, we'll go straight to the vote. All those for in favour? That's unanimous, I believe. Thank you. The next one is UTT 172261FUL, Little Chesterford. And I have on my list Nigel Brown and Karen Denmark. And on the paper, Luke Mills, who isn't here. So who's going to do this? Maria. Oh, <laughs> now they've just told me Mrs. Shoesmith is going to do it. So you have a choice. <laughs> Mrs. Shoesmith, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, the building um, this relates to is located within Chesterford Park. Um, the application is for um, two aspects. It's sought, there is existing cycle racks uh, which are sought to be covered by uh, one of these stand covers. Also, as part of the application, it's proposed uh, for a cold storage unit um, to replace an existing cold sto storage unit. There is currently a temporary building uh, that would be removed as well. Um, so these two aspects form part of the application. In terms of the size and scale, they're both ancillary structures which support the existing employment use. Due to their remoteness, uh, no adverse impact is considered upon amenity or in terms of noise or its built form. As a result, appro uh, approval is recommended subject to the conditions outlined on pages 87 to 88. Thank you.
Thank you. Well, we have no speakers, so uh, members, anybody like to speak to this? Councillor Chambers? I propose approval, Madam Chairman, and uh, we all you. ought to declare an interest in this. So. We'd all have to do that, I think. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll give that a miss. Uh, I don't think we have any pecuniary interest, and I'm sure we don't have a non-pecuniary, but I'll just check with our legal officer. In this particular case, no, Madam Chair, and of course by that criteria, you should all have declared an interest in the last application as well. Oh. <coughs> do, we, do we do it in retrospect? No. No? Okay. Then um, I have a proposal. Who's going to second this? Councillor Davy has his hand shot up in the air there, so can we go to the vote, please? And that's unanimous. Thank you very much. And now at UTT stroke 172248 stroke FUL, Wiccan Bonhunt. And now Mr. Tyler, I believe, not Mr. Shoesmith, is going to take us through this one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The site comprises of a paddock area thank you, located to the south of Wickham Road in the village of Wickham Bonhunt. The site is used for grazing horses and includes a small existing stable to the northeast corner of the site and a storage shed to the northwest corner of the site. Um, it includes vehicle access to the highway and is bound by mature trees and vegetation. The uh, following photos give you uh, demonstrates the character of the site. The application is in relation to the erection of a combined stable and field shelter. The stable will have a footprint of 7 metres by 4.5 metres and a low ridge height of 3.5 metres. The stable will be of a timber construction and under a felt roof. No objections uh, or comments have been received from the Parish Council or, no, or from the neighbouring properties. Uh, the building is considered of, a, of an appropriate scale and design, ensures there would be no harm to the character of the countryside. The sighting, scale and design of the stable will not result in any harmful impact to the amenity of the neighbouring properties or give rise to significant increase of noise. Uh, no objections have been raised in regards to protected species or their habitat. The site is in um, flood zone 2 and 3. However, due to the scale of the development, a uh, flood risk assessment isn't required or any further consultation. Um, the proposal is unlikely to contribute to increase in flooding. In conclusion, the proposal calls with relevant adopted local plan policies and the MPPF. Uh, it's recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you very much, Mr. Tyler. Um, we have a speaker, Councillor Freeman. I mean, I, you are going to speak, I assume. Yes. Uh, as a member, not as a member of the public. Thank you. Um, there's a, a subtle but important question about this. This is it's described as a paddock area, presumably it's agricultural land, and it's going to have a combined stable and field shelter. Now, looking at it, it's almost de minimis, it's just a, a wooden construct. 
but it changes um, happy to have guidance on this but it changes the use of the land from being agricultural to being equestrian and that's one step towards turning it into building land and this ploy has been tried before within and I can give you references to this it's, it shortens the step between depriving the country of valuable agricultural land and actually saying well, we're part way towards building anyway I'd like advice on that because otherwise it's a de minimis it doesn't actually matter but I think the business of putting up a stable on a piece of agricultural land changes the identity of that land with respect to what it can be used for in future perhaps we could have some guidance on that please it, this is an agricultural land it is a paddock because there's horses on it there always has been horses, well not always has been horses, horses. there is horses on this paddock and yeah, for many years I know what you've just said and that does happen where people have got a random field and then they suddenly turn it into a paddock then they turn it into a stable then, it, then, then the, obviously each one of those has to go for a separate stage and one doesn't automatically lead to the other but this is genuinely a paddock and it's as simple as, a, as a, there is a horses on this paddock and they need a stable to go into it's as simple as so it is not the game that sometimes can be played, but in this particular one, it's not an agricultural piece of land. So but what you is are the definition right, of a paddock? What define a paddock? Well, it, it's, it, it is, it, it, no, it is as simple as that. Um, it is, I mean, this has been used as, this has been having horses on it for many, many years as a paddock. It's not an agricultural land where suddenly someone's a wheeze or just putting horses on it, although that could be in its own right considered appropriate in the open countryside. Um, but it, this is a genuine paddock, and uh, or it is a, putting a stable on a paddock, and obviously there's no, there's no issues about the stable not being a stable. Councillor Lemon and then Councillor Chambers, thank right, you. Thank you. Uh, just uh, really on Councillor Freeman's um, last comment, um, certainly uh, in my patch again, um, we had stables put up, not for the first time, and lo and behold, three or four years later, planning permission has gone in for a house. Now, what I would like to know is, when this does happen, and they, they put a planning permission in for stables on that land, can we put a condition, is, is it possible to put a condition on to say that at no point can this house, that this building be turned into a... No, you you'll, have the, you'll have the opportunity to refuse that at a later date. Yeah, but it um, does no, no, yeah, yeah, it does happen, but I think members are overthinking this. I'm very wary of granting this permission. Yeah. Sorry, but I feel very wary about these. Councillor Chambers. Sorry, did, have you... Uh, have you finished? Sorry, you, you have. You may, uh, okay, Councillor Chambers. Madam Chairman, I can remember this longer than I like to remember. Um, it's always been a paddock. It's always been a meadow. So, and where it is situated, uh, not being rude to anybody, anybody in the room here, uh, if it were to be uh, turned into a, a planning application, I think you'd all be pushing the daisies up by that time, and that includes Mr Ferguson, who's not very old. So. <laughs> We're the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Councillor Hicks. <laughs> Thank you, Chairman. Um, would it be reasonable to suggest that, that possibly in normal circumstances permission for putting this stable in there, there's already a, 
um, a stable type shed or something there, uh, that this planning application would not have been necessary but for the fact that the um, uh, applicant is a council employee, would that have had any bearing on the necessity or the need to come to us for a planning permission? That's, it's the only reason it's here. There's no objections from any parish. It hasn't been called in by the local member. It's only here because of who the applicant's a member of staff. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Wells. I am more than happy to propose the recommendation. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger? Oh, okay, so I'll take it to the vote. All those in favour? Okay. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's almost unanimous, so... Yes. Almost, only almost, yeah. Seven. I really think we ought to have proper counts, you know, know yeah, how we many are because our legal officer is counting. Yeah, oh, you want the vote? You want the, the number recorded, do you? Yeah, no, recorded, but just um, stating. Yes, it was eight. Yes, well, I, I, our legal officer is doing that. Okay. So I'll ask Smith. Uh, Sorry, your microphone wasn't on, sorry. So I think you said eight in favour and two against, did you? Okay. Eight in favour, Councillor Hicks, and two against. Okay. Have you got anything you want to say, Mr Brown? Good night, everyone. <laughs> and sleep well. Well... He didn't have his microphone, unfortunately. So, um, I, I, okay, that being all the business, I'll close this meeting. And thank you very much, everybody. And thank you for your patience.